You're listening to the Bags and Platt Podcast. And welcome to the Bags and Platt Podcast, Wednesday, August 12th. Down here in LBI, beautiful day. Waves are rolling, not a cloud in the sky. Hopefully the fish are biting tonight. Platt, how are you doing today, my man? I'm super jealous. How the hell did you swing? What are you, down there for a full week? Yes. Yes. Solo, I might add. Oof, I'm beyond jealous. Yes, yes, it's going good so far. Going to hit the beach later, but we got a lot to dig in today. Great show ahead of us. Um, got a great guest coming as well, and the Yankees continue to roll 11 and six on the season. We got a 98 percent chance to make the playoffs, which is outstanding. I don't think we ever had to worry about that. Judge is still hot, and I want to bring up Stanton real quick because we alluded last show that injuries are are part of the game, and last year we proved that it really didn't affect us that much because we're stacked in the bench. But Stanton just continues to disappoint Yankee fans, and it's almost expected. And I got to tell you, as though I, I want him in the lineup, it really doesn't bother me because it's just an ongoing thing with him, and I don't think we can really count on him in the playoffs anyway based on previous performance. And uh, I just don't see it really being a problem for the Yanks to continue this season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, their lineup is so stacked and so deep. You obviously would love to have him, but he just seems to be so injury-prone since they traded slash signed him to that huge deal or inherited his monster contract, as they always seem to do. The good thing, as we've talked about in the past, is they are super deep right now, but you got a lot of guys who aren't hitting. So we've discussed, you know, obviously how deep the lineup is and the fact that they can get around these injuries as they did last year. But Bags, when does it get to a point where you got to have some of these other guys step up and I'm not being nitpicky. I know they're in a good spot right now, but Brett Gardner, Sanchez, even Glaber, he's not hitting right now. And I know, you know, over the course of a 161 or 162 game season, whatever it is, these guys have plenty of time to turn it around, but this is a short season and Glaber specifically looks like he's, he's pushing once he was put in that three hole. And I don't know if he wasn't prepared for it or not, but they got to start getting more production out of those guys. And again, I'm not nitpicking. They're in a great spot, but these guys have to pick up the slack. Yeah, and you mentioned Guardy, and he's really struggling. And, and Sanchez, not only is he struggling at the plate, he lost a game uh, being behind the plate. And I don't, I don't think you can really have him in the playoffs to be counted on as a great catcher. And in the late innings, he gets tired. He's obviously a little heavy. And he sometimes just dodges at balls instead of blocking them. And if he's not hitting and Stanton's not there, I could see him uh, being the full-time DH with a better defensive catcher because you can't lose a game because of a, an easy uh, pass ball by a professional catcher. It's just it's, it's getting to the team. It's known. It's being discussed. Um, I can't see uh, game one, game two in the playoffs having him catch both games, maybe one to jack the lineup a little better. But if he's not hitting, do you see Boone saying, hey, uh, we'll let you DH if Stanton's not, Stanton's not playing, but we're going to have to have a better defensive catcher back there, especially in the playoffs. 
Well, you got. I think the trade deadline is like next week in this short season, which is scary, but yes. it's coming up soon. And the good thing for them is that they do have a lot of pieces. And you know, obviously, they gave like Andujar what three games to perform, and then sent them down. And Frazier's getting yo-yoed now, so they do have trade pieces. They're just going to have to decide who they want to deal, and then what areas they need to fill. And defensive catching is obviously going to be huge. And with the DH, the Yankees bats will always have enough. But Sanchez as he has been in the past, unfortunately, looks like a liability behind the plate. Yeah, you mentioned trade deadline. That's pretty funny. I heard someone say the other day uh, the Yankees should move on from Sanchez. And ironically, Real Muto is the best catcher out there, and he's up for uh, contract next year. So maybe the Yanks would make a move. I really don't see it in this short season, but Real Moto would probably be the best catcher available to make a deal with. And obviously, as you said, we have the pieces to make the deal. Um, where obviously our bench is really good. I could see a Talkman or a Ford uh, or even a Frazier since he's up. If, if Frazier actually comes up and does real well, I could see him being a, a real real trade bait out there either during this year or definitely next year um crazy to think that he was going to be starting in left field if the season started on time because stanton was hurt judge was hurt and he was probably so looking forward to getting his shot and now here he is again and you know what maybe the best thing for that guy is to get traded so he gets a chance to go someplace and play because unfortunately this year and next year i just can't see him breaking that lineup and i know he's been questionable defensively as well but he can hit i mean he could straight up mash so i you know from a a fan's perspective want to see him get a chance to play somewhere i'd love to see it be in new york but they are too steadfast in brett gardner as we've discussed in the past who i'm not a huge fan of and He's just, I, I can't see Frazier breaking into the lineup. Ford's hitting, Talkman's hitting. He's got other guys that Boone seems to like to plug in there. So maybe Frazier DHs here and there, but once Stanton's back, then that becomes a mess. So he's probably the odd man out, him or Andujar at this point. So if you're going to put a package together, I read the post, I listen to all these shows out there, and people are talking about the Grom. That's not happening. The Mets are not trading the Grom to the Yankees. Unless you're giving up Judge or somebody else significant, you're not going to see the Grom in a Yankee uniform. No, I agree. And um, Frazier's uh, outfield play, Mike, has, or Platt, has been really awful. And it's really basically up to the American League uh, to, to work a trade with because there's no way he's going to the National League and act like a circus out there. Especially with, uh, well, this year there's a DH, but next year there won't be a DH, and he's a future American League player. So he would probably be the one guy you'd want to have out there as trade bait, but definitely the American League, not the National League, would be our only option. So uh, talking uh, NL for a second. Yes. Wh- I mean, it, if you're a Met fan, wh- <laughs> I mean, what do you do? I, it's like I, I look at the Mets and the Jets, and I'm not switching sports here, but like right. they're in the same universe of being laughable. And I know that the team's up for sale and the fan base is just grasping at somebody to come in with big dollars to change the narrative there. But, oh, my God, like what do you do if you're a Met fan right now? Yeah, the Stroman thing was really, really uh, surprising to me because he was really excited about the season. And I found out yesterday that he got – uh, a year of service, which is huge in MLB, and he opted out basically because he knows he has that year of service, and I don't think he really wanted to come back. I think he pulled a Cespedes with this. It really hurt the club. 
their strongest point this year going into the season was their pitching staff. And their number two supposedly is Mats, and he's he let up eight runs the other day. He is falling apart. The Mets are falling apart. Uh, they got a great outing out of Porcello last night, but they happen to go against Scherzer. So right now they're in last place. They're seven and eleven. They're not out of it. There are eight teams in each league going to the playoffs. That's sixteen total. I think they're not out of it, but their luck, as you said, are just it is just it's just awful. And the ownership, uh, I think there might be a deal going down um, as early as January. Uh, Cohen would be my guess because of because of how much money he has. Uh, the A Rod camp would be a sexy choice, especially for the city. Uh, A Rod and J Lo both being being there, and uh, it's uh, it's it, and like you said about the Jets, the Mets and the Jets have the worst luck, and sometimes it's not even their luck, but it just happens to them uh, with the Jamal Adams thing. It's it's sad. I I hope to see the Mets actually rebound. Um, they got to win this series, and uh, the Nationals are pretty hot and the defending World Series champs. So all of a sudden, you're you're, you're begging for wins, and you're going up against a great lineup. One of the things we talked about in the previous shows was this short season. Our records going to be counted, and are people going to put an asterisk next to it, or are they going to? look at it in a serious manner. So you got guys hitting 485 right now. You've got, you know, pitchers who are going to win a good amount of games in a 60 game season. What's going to happen with these records? Like if, if DJ LeMayu hits 415 this year, which he very well could, are you going to put him in the, and I love DJ, it's nothing yeah. against him. And you got love the guy it. in Colorado who's hitting insane numbers, but like, are you going to say, well, DJ LeMayu and Ted Williams both hit over 400 in the season? No, you can't. Um, that'll be an asterisk, and LeMahieu is currently at uh, 397. Here's the thing with the records. Number one, we'll start with pitching. Um, obviously, the win record is out of play. Home runs, out of play. RBIs, out of play. So it really brings us to the average. Um, ERA, maybe, but I don't think that's happening either. With the, with the average... The last person to hit it was Ted Williams, 406. Uh, I believe Brett hit 390, came close. If no one can do it in 60 games, I don't see it ever being broken, Ted Williams, 406. And if it does happen in a 60-game season, there's no way you can compare 60 to 162 or 154. It just can't happen. What, uh, an asterisk might not mean something to somebody in, in 25 years, but right now there's no way as sports fans we can even think about even, I don't even think there should be an MVP, Mike. I don't disagree with you. And you know what? It's, it's at a point now where the one thing I appreciate in this is that we're talking about batting average because you and I are old school guys. I can't even deal with war and whip and all these other acronyms that all of a sudden are like how you're judging if a player is good or not. Like yeah, I, I remember I, turning I over a baseball card. card. I, we turned over baseball cards in my house, and you looked at batting average, RBI, home run. And then you looked at wins, losses, and ERA, and strikeouts. Maybe walks, but probably not. And now it's just like it's a whole different methodology. I don't even understand the acronyms and what the hell people are talking about. Yeah, and I consider us big baseball fans, and I could care less about any whip or war or anything. I really could. And I know that's, you know, the analytics is is – slowly taking over 
the game, uh, especially in, in, in the scouting department. But I, I, I'm sorry. I just it's a waste. Of, it's a waste of time to me. Obviously, we're trying to win a World Series. When it comes up to free agents, they're going to bring up War and Whip and all that stuff. It just it, it's not really essential in in in, in my rooting right now. Um, I'd rather have a guy strike out less these days because the strikeouts are so high. I'd rather have a guy like LeMay who put a, put the bat on the ball. And by the way, it's a it, it's it's just great. Another thing about LeMahieu is he's a leadoff hitter now. And, yep. and Gardner can't lead off, as you know. I don't even think – getting back to Gardner, I don't even think if he doesn't have like a big playoff hit or like a big series in the playoffs, I think we're just about done with him, which is sad to say about anyone's career. He's, he's done everything he, he, you can ask for as a Yankee um, on the field and off the field. But I just I think as time's running out, age is getting to him a little bit, and with the rookies we have and the young kids we have behind him, um, I don't see him coming back next year, unless he just hit you know a three-run homer uh, in the a- ALDS or something to really really solidify another spot next year. He's on his way out, Pot. Yeah, I agree with you 100% bags. And I also am looking at this now. And you, the one thing you have to do is give the Yankees front office credit because we're talking about yes. analytics and numbers and all of that information. But you look at what they've been able to do with getting Urshela, with getting DJ, who many people thought once he left, he was a product of Colorado. They, you know, they've done a great job at bringing in some of these players and they've performed. Don't get me wrong. If they didn't, then they would have been questioned. But the Yankees, for all their payroll and everything else, and they showed it last year, have done a phenomenal job at getting diamonds in the rough and players whose careers were questionable or not over. But even, I know he's not hot right now, but Aaron Hicks, you know, the Twins gave up on him. And he's starting center fielder for the Yankees, and he's performed really well over the past two seasons. So they've done a great job there. And I know all, you know, everyone looks at it and says, well, look at the Yankees' payroll. And yes, that's true. And yes, they got Cole. And yes, they pay for Stanton. And they're going to have to pay Judge through the roof. But they're going to have to figure out a way to keep DJ here, too. Yeah, sticking with the NL, um, the Cubs have actually been pretty surprising this year at 11 and 3. Uh, I, I got to mention the Marlins and give them a little credit. They're 7 and 4 in first place, uh, four back in the win column of second place Atlanta, but still. I think it would be a cool story if Jeter got the Marlins into the playoffs. A couple shows ago, I mentioned there's got there's definitely going to be a big surprise or a dark horse. And you know in a short series, if you get two pitchers that are hot, I couldn't imagine seeing Jeter and the Marlins actually making some noise, which they've done in the past as a franchise, if you recall. Um, although the Cubs have the best record, uh, Colorado and the Dodgers, they are both hot. 11-5, Dodgers are 11-6. I could see the Dodgers going back. I could see Colorado. You mentioned the average Blackman's batting like 484. Um, you know, obviously it's a great hitter's park. They are looking hot. I think Atlanta might, might, be, a, might be a threat. I think Washington is at 6-7. and seven. They better start winning some games. But it's kind of getting to, to where I'm looking at the standings. You know, we're almost a third of the season over, okay? Got 40 games left in a few days. So you're going to start to see a great story, maybe even in Baltimore. There's going to be, I mean, Pittsburgh's 3-13. and 13. You can, you know, 
scratch write them off. And the Giants are really bad out uh, out west at seven and eleven. Wait, Bags, I got a question for you while you're rolling through this. Absolutely. There's one team that's really fun to watch. They're really young, and they play exciting baseball. And they play in San Diego. And I I would love to see them sneak into the playoffs somehow. That's a phenomenal lineup. They need some more pitching, but love watching that team. Yeah, Platt, as, uh, as I was looking at the averages uh, this morning, Tatis Jr. is not only having a great season, but he's one of those guys that can hit for average, too. He's batting 330, uh, 67 at-bats, I mean, and he's having a fun time. You mentioned fun out there. It's almost like he's a little kid out there. I saw him on the MLB Network doing an interview. Uh, he's talking about his father growing up growing up in Montreal and uh, they might have something going out there I don't know I don't know if Machado's ready to really put a team on his back out there but as you said another team dark horse could make some noise uh, there's no fans in the stadium anyway Platt so San Diego's going to be used to the empty empty park so it won't them be, and the Marlins it might even, yeah, it might even be an advantage for them hit, hit, hearing the ball hit the seats instead of instead of guys hands in the crowd so that's uh, it's an interesting story out there. I'd love to see uh, a team like that do it. And Tatis Jr., man, he's, uh, he's a player. He is. So speaking of no fans in the seats, <laughs> I, I, before we have our guest caller come on, we have to talk about college football. What the hell are they doing? When they need a commissioner in that sport more probably than any sport that's out there right now. What, what are you going to do? You're going to have three conferences play football and three not? Where are the bowl games? Are you having bowl games? Are there going to be fans there? Who's the national champ? How are they not all deciding either, yes, we're playing in the fall or we're going to play in the spring? I cannot comprehend how it's this divisive. And the doctors in the SEC are saying, not only should we play football and is it safe, but we're going to have crowds at the game. And then the pack and the little 10, as you call it, yep. are just straight away shutting down. Yeah, and you know those two conferences are really not worried about the financial hit, and they are they are loaded when it comes to uh, endowments and, and and stuff like that. So here's my thing: you got a guy like Jim Harbaugh at Michigan begging to play. You would think some of the coaches would have some more pull and oh, 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 like sway the, uh, persuade the decision on not playing at all. When you know these schools in the South, and I hate to bring up money, but it, when it's not about you money, it is about money. It it's, is. Yeah, I mean, just in Ann Arbor yesterday, I saw the, the local businesses make $800 million. Now, yeah, it's one year, Platt, but in the South, it's, it's amazing how much they really rely on, on this money. So... When it comes to the SEC and the ACC, I can't see them not playing because of the billions of dollars and the amount of money it makes for the universities and the towns, uh, the local businesses. It's it's weird. And you brought up a commissioner. You're right, because it's almost like, you know, each governor governs their own state and who goes to school, who doesn't go to school. There has to be one voice to make them to make the call. You can have a committee, but there has to be one commissioner. And right, if anybody imagine, needs it, it's the NCAA. Yeah, because imagine for a second if the AFC decided to play football and the NFC didn't. That is, I know there's more conferences, but that's what college football is looking at right now. Like how the power conferences couldn't put a committee together, put everybody in the same room and figure out what the plan was as opposed to each 
conference, speaking to a specific doctor and making their own decisions. Like talk about ass backwards. It's like losing power in 2020 after a storm. I don't get it. (laughs) It is. And, and, And what you said about having a commissioner, why isn't one person at least just saying in each conference, we are playing? Why is it taking this long? I commend the Big Ten and the Pac-12 for saying, okay, we're out, but why don't we have at least a date? You know, today's Wednesday, August 12th. Why don't we everyone put in their decision on August 15th and at least prepare the same way they've been preparing? Because now, if you're going to practice right now and you're you're Trevor Lawrence of, of the Clemson Tigers, who is actually being the spokesperson of college football, Platt, he's actually saying it's more dangerous for everyone to go home to those type of environments where you're gonna be going into your old, um, your communities where you live at home. Maybe some aren't the greatest communities. Maybe people aren't wearing their masks there. It's, he says it's gonna be uh, more, uh, it's gonna be unsafe to go home rather to be in their bubble, practicing together, being on campus. So you're having one person be the spokesman and now I think I've heard that there's, they're going to establish a player association. So they have a little say in this because, and I, they are bringing up the payments too. But if you did have a spring football season, you're asking to play in the spring and then the fall, two seasons in one year, you think that's more healthy uh, as a football player running into each other, injuries, everything to to confine two seasons into one year, it's dangerous, and I don't like it. I'd almost rather not have a season than all of a sudden uh, spring right into bowl game or bowl games in the summer, and then next thing you know, you gotta you got you gotta be at, on campus mid July starting to practice for a September eighth game against Georgia. I just I, I don't like it. I don't do. I really don't like what's going on. I'd really like to see the two conferences. ACC and SEC make their decision within a few days ASAP. Well, they've, they've just created a complete shit show for all of college football. Because, like I said before, what bowls are going to be played in what season? And you in the spring, you have the draft, you have the combine, you have all these different things going on. you got some guys who are playing football and baseball, so they lose out or they have to choose. And like you talked about, the health of the players. So, and then what are you going to do? The the Big Ten's going to be playing spring football. It's going to be eighty five degrees, and it's going to be Michigan against Ohio State. I know it's one year, but come on, like figure this out. There has to be one national voice that can work together. And and last but not least, bags they've had six months exactly to, to what know the what the F? hell's going on. Like how? Yes. I mean, it's what a disaster. Yeah. And, um, you know, speaking of uh, COVID and keeping people safe, I got to I got to give a shout out to Silver and Bettman because Platt, the NHL and the NBA are looking stellar right now on on every level. People are into it. Everyone's safe. Uh, MLB has the hard part of traveling through airports and hotels. But I got to give something to the NHL and the NBA. They're doing a hell of a job. Everyone's been, uh, no one's tested positive, keeping everybody safe. This bubble call was was tremendous, and it's almost going to look. And I don't mean to go back to baseball, but Manfred may may really uh, regret his decision on not going to the the, the bubble like Silver and Bettman have done. 
Well, I agree. And I think that they're talking now, MLB-wise, about doing a bubble situation for the playoffs, which, you know, with no fans there, who cares? Why not? Like, why not? It makes the most sense that the players are going to be safe because can you imagine, God forbid, in the middle of the ALCS or the NLDS, there's a COVID outbreak? Because it's not like the regular season, which it's already messed up enough that like certain teams have played six games less than others. But come playoff time, what are you going to do? You're going to say we're going to we're going to take ten days off and then we'll play the ALCS or the NLCS or the wild card. I mean, there's 82 rounds now. It seems like with this season's baseball, but they would be smart to play it in the bubble. They're just going to have to pick the right city to do it in. But I agree, the NHL, the NBA have looked stellar, and I know it's a little bit of a different product and a five overtime game last night in hockey, and then watching the the teams jump on each other like they just won a Little League World Series was pretty cool. So. Kudos to both commissioners. They've done a phenomenal job. They've set the sports up in a really well-situated manner and zero tests for COVID, zero positive tests. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, the PGA, I also got to throw some props to Platt. They they handled the Watney thing really well. Um, DJ's caddy went home, so there was... There was two two instances, but I really think the PGA is doing a great job. And I got to tell you, I think I've said it before. I don't really need fans at a golf event unless it's the Ryder Cup. So this can actually go on for as long as I don't mind it at all with no fans. Yeah, I'd like it. But I, I read this morning that the Masters will not have guests uh, or galleries or as patrons, they like to say, Platt. And I That's think polite. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the no fans at the PGA events. You know, I'm going to start watching tomorrow. They're down in Charlotte at the Wyndham, and I really think uh, they're doing a great job and having a major. And I want to dive into that with you. Uh, this young kid, not only did he get a lot of respect from his his peers, they said this kid is the real deal, on the course, off the course, his attitude, and that drive. Uh, on that par four, the shot of his life so far, that was probably one of the best shots in a major that I've seen in a long time. And you know if there was a crowd, they would have went berserk. And he was a local kid, knew the course. I got a lot I got a lot riding on this guy, Colin Maracara. And I, I just really enjoyed the major on Sunday. Yeah, the, golf's done a great job, and I listened to Mickelson talk about how he's having a harder time playing without the fans because he plays on more of emotion, whereas some of these guys are stoic. Which, by the way, Mickelson's career, when he's done, going to be phenomenal in broadcasting. He, he is born to do that, and he will be doing color in golf as we grow older and have grandkids, and it's going to be exciting to watch. But back to the 23-year-old, yes. agreed. He had a great run, and Bags, you're going to laugh because we talked about this a few shows ago. Yeah. I gave up the remote control battle with four <laughs> holes to go on the PGA. And no. yeah, you know what? I, I logged three or four hours on the front end of the day. Wife was getting a little antsy. I proactively asked her if she wanted to watch something on Netflix. And she said, yes, let's do it. And I started watching it on my phone and tracking it on my phone. So had a little two screening going on. Missed a few important pieces of the back nine so i had to make things up on the fly as i was watching and catching up but yeah. awesome tournament that leaderboard going back and forth i thought dj was going to take it so kudos to that kid and that eagle that was special 
Yeah, and you know what? I'll make you feel a little bit better. Toward the end, it wasn't there wasn't too much drama because once he got that two shot lead, uh, guys were just running out of holes. So it, uh, you know, you always wish it comes down to 16, 17, or eighteen. In this in this case, it didn't. So you know, I hope the Netflix was pretty good uh, for you and your wife because it really wasn't the. Uh, the most exciting down of the wire tournament that we always, always want. Well, you know what? I scored some points, which was nice. Yeah. It gave me some flexibility at home. Huge. I had a little, you know, ability to negotiate in the future days. I can get some more Yankee games in, and I always play the guilt card if it's a shortened season. And we've been without sports for five months, so she's been awesome about things all. Also, you know, you got to have a little give and take here and there. Yeah, I'm sure you uh, were off diaper duty for that next hour, and you probably got a really nice <laughs> dinner too. Sure did. All right. Um, we got a guest coming up, Platt. You want to talk about uh, the NHL a little more in depth before you introduce him? Because this yeah. is very exciting. I got to tell you, for the Bags and Platt podcast, pretty pumped up. Yeah, super excited. And I, I got to tell you, it, this hockey restart has been amazing, but it's also been bizarre because it's unlike the NBA, it's almost like a whole new season, meaning like the teams that are doing well are not teams that played well necessarily in the first half of the year. And they're teams that you wouldn't think would be the one or two or three seed in the NHL going into the playoffs. It's it's bizarre, but you know what? I kind of like it. And you know what? I'm just happy there's hockey right now. And a five-overtime thriller the other night, Tampa Bay, a great game. There's some teams that are playing good hockey. And the cities, and granted, there's no fans, and I know they're bubbled in Toronto and Edmonton, but the fans of the cities, that of the teams that were either not going to make the playoffs or were going to be a low seed and probably have no shot, are playing great hockey right now and have snuck in. But where do you, where do you look at when you're a fan base like Boston and you were the best team in hockey, and now all of a sudden... You know, you're not playing well going into the playoffs. So it's really anyone's game in this bubble situation. But it's been fun to watch. And the Islanders are playing good hockey, and they're going to run into Ovechkin, and that's not going to be easy for them. It's going to be a real tough series. But at least we got one local team still alive. The Devils are a freaking mess right now. Rangers, different scenario, younger team, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'm enjoying having hockey back and basketball, and those two to me are, are running neck and neck. Have you watched any hockey yet, or you're not you're yes, not there yet? Yes, and um, just to get to just get to the Islanders, Platt. Glad you brought that up since it are, it's a local team, and I've watched them. They're kind, you know, they're a quick team. They like to score. That's you know, it's good hockey. Um, they play the Capitals today at 3 p.m. Uh, unless it's uh, if it's raining, I'll be watching it. Otherwise, I'll be at the beach. But I am looking forward to having a little New York noise with the Islanders. Uh, it's a great franchise, and I think they really, they really could use a. Uh, I guess it would be an upset over Washington. Washington's just you know they're just Washington. They're going to be hard hitting. Ovechkin's going to, you know, he's going to get them going. He's a great leader. He's a great goal scorer. Um, I'm going to dial into the Islanders. I do like watching the hockey, Mike, Platt. And, and the reason I'm liking it is because it's on the entire day. So you can just kind of, it, it's, it's like going to the gym in, in, in town. There's just games and games and games. The NBA I haven't really got into as much because I've always been a hockey playoff fan. But now with the Islanders and uh, uh, a little New York juice, it, it could probably uh, make it more exciting, especially for us. 
Well, that to me is the other thing that's been really cool about it is that it's been on all day and it's almost like an NCAA tournament kind of situation for fans of the sports, whether it be NBA or NHL right now. You have stuff pretty much when you wake up to when you go to sleep at, at the early stages of this when all the teams were still in it. And that's been a lot of fun. And I know we obviously lost the NCAA tournament this year from a hoops perspective, and that sucked. But this has been this has been cool and it's different. And obviously you don't want it every year and you don't expect it every year, but they've made the best of it. And the NHL has been a lot of fun to watch. I don't miss the fans as much in the NHL. Um, the NBA, you know, they've, they're, they're doing that screen in the background with the virtual fans. So they're making the best of it, but hockey has been fun. It's great to have it back on. Uh, we'll see as this run up goes to the Stanley cup and kind of where we come in here and who ends up there. And hopefully we get a great, Great playoff, exciting games, and if the five-overtime thriller is any indication of what's ahead, it should be great to watch. And then the NBA is in a good spot, too. I mean, Lillard's been all over the place. He scored, what, 61 points the other night. I'll educate you because I know you haven't been watching. But he's, I mean, he and he's riffing with the ESPN commentators, and they're going back and forth. And it's been fun. And I know the Lakers have had a slow start, uh, you know, with the restart, and they, they were playing great ball before. But... The NBA, is, it's been enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I'll get into it as soon as we um, we, 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 we weed out some of the, you know, those lower-seeded teams. But when it gets down to, like, four teams, Platt, I am going to be dialed in, looking forward to some great playoff hoops. All right, Pags, I got to cut you off because we got our special guest who's coming on right now. Oh, yeah. We want to welcome New York Ranger Brandon Lemieux. Thanks How's for joining going, the guys? show. Good. How are you? Yeah, Congrats. I appreciate it. Of course. Congrats yeah, on a great... Well, I, don't know if, I don't know if there's too much to be congratulated on, but... Uh, well, I was going to say was... on a great season before the bubble, but I wanted to ask you before we talk hockey, you played Shinnecock yesterday. How was it, and how's your golf game? Uh, my golf game's getting better. Um, usually when, just after the season ends, I struggle for a little while there, but uh, it's coming around. Well, that's good to hear. Shinnecock my golf game sucks. absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard I've heard great things. Bags and I haven't made it out there yet. Maybe one day you'll invite us. That'll be a lot of fun. So get... <laughs> yeah, I was invited, so <laughs> it's not an easy All right, place so to get out at. <laughs> we won't lean on you for that then. So great time to have you on. The balls dropped the correct way the other night. The Rangers get the number one pick in the draft. Are you pumped for that? And do you know anything about this kid who's apparently going to be the next Sidney Crosby? Um, I don't. So I, I've obviously seen some videos and whatnot, but I don't know too much. It's obviously all very, you know, new. I didn't. I don't think anybody expected us to get the first pick. So um, I'm looking forward to meeting him and playing with him. It's going to be fun. Brandon, this is Bags. Great to have you on today. I really, really enjoyed watching the Rangers this year. Sorry it had to come to an end too early. Um, the fans will be back next year, and Platt is right. We couldn't be uh, more happier to have a ping-pong ball go our way. I think the last time that happened was Patrick Ewing way back when, when they said it was fixed. Fixed or not, Rangers got the number one pick. That's all that matters. Really watched you. Really loved watching you play this year. Uh, physical style. I watched your dad growing up in Jersey for the Devils for many years. Uh, I even saw him win the Cup in 2000. Do you emulate his style of play, or have you always been like that uh, through juniors and up up to the NHL? Uh, yeah, I've always played like my dad. I've always looked up to him and wanted to play like him. So it, it's definitely intentional. Um, I've just you know it's natural too. So I skate like him. 
Um, I'm a, only difference is I'm a left-handed shot, but anytime I'm compared to my dad, it's a compliment. And um, yeah, so I think it's nothing I like really think about or forcibly try to do. It's just kind of natural. And then, um, you know, we play a similar style of game, so there's no reason to fight it. Now, was he was he pissed when you were traded to the Rangers? Does he have a hatred to, towards the organization because he was a devil? No, absolutely not. We were over the moon. We were very excited um, playing in New York. Uh, you know, it, it's no secret. You know, you'd rather play in uh, in the city than play you know across the water. So um, I think <laughs> I think I, he was thrilled, and I'm and I'm thrilled, and uh, I, I love it here. You know. Um, New Jersey is obviously a great franchise and uh, they've had a lot of success but it's not New York and uh, so I love being in New York that's awesome Bob I I was going to mention to you uh, about playing in the garden I know a lot of players that have played in the NHL uh, come from great franchises around around the country and when they get to New York they always mention there's a there's a mystique and something about playing in the garden uh you want to give us a little bit about that well yeah I think anytime you know you you're under the bright lights at MSG it's like the best thing in the world playing there is obviously awesome um there's nothing quite like it you know you get you see the people sitting behind the bench and whatnot um and it's, it's awesome so I, I love playing there there's a lot of energy New York you know Rangers fans are awesome I especially love the fans that are sitting you know in the in the upper bowl and they're rowdy and a lot of the blue seats firefighters <laughs> yeah the blue seats you know the blue collar type people uh those are my kind of fans and I've always you know like I said love love playing in New York love the atmosphere and uh I'm looking forward to getting back to the garden. You know, it wasn't easy playing with no fans, I'll tell you. Well, so I was going to ask you that. Like, you guys are a young team. You thrive on passion, high energy. You have great fans at MSG. It had to be bizarre playing in a bubble, especially for you guys, with no fans. And it sounds like that was – I'm assuming it was a challenge for the team to an extent, not making any excuses, but it's it's a different environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's one way or the other. Both teams are playing with no fans. It's just weird. And, you know, you look forward to more playing with games with fans. I don't think there's too much to talk about with regards to our play. Um, but, you know, um, I honestly just played one game, and, and it was a do-or-die game, so I wasn't too worried about what was going on, you know, with the no fans or any of that. And then I played the one exhibition game, which is definitely a weird feel, but it was an exhibition game, so those are always weird feels. Um, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, you guys understand. It's, it's not... Um, it's not what you want to be doing. You want to play in front of fans. That's what you're used to. That's what you get excited about, especially in a playoff atmosphere. Uh, you know, you look at like Winnipeg, where I where I used to play, and the, the playoff atmosphere that they had there. And New York, obviously, a wild playoff atmosphere. So, you know, that's what guys look forward to. They look forward to the whiteouts and the, you know, all the fun stuff of playing in the playoffs. So, hey, Brandon. As I'm looking at the schedule, when do you have to report back to camp this year, uh, being the circumstances where the playoffs is going to extend uh, for a while now? Do you have any type of date or when uh, you would be reporting to um, some camps? As far as I know, no. So you don't. <laughs> until my okay. phone rings, I, I don't, we don't have really any idea. And, and that's going to be a Rangers camp next year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm an RFA. I'll be back. Good, good, good. So, <laughs> are you lo- are you looking for uh, a, a long term in, in New York, Brandon? Because obviously, all of us and all 
the whole fan base is, uh, is really a big fan of yours, and uh, we hope to keep you. We we understand it's a business, but would you would you like that? Would you like to stay in the garden for a few years? I would absolutely love to. I think you know um, the history of the Rangers as a franchise. They especially want their young guys to uh, you know see how it plays out, earn it. So I'm not expecting necessarily a long term deal, and um, but. I love it in New York. I absolutely thrilled to, you know, bring what I bring with this young group of guys. Um, I feel like, you know, there's definitely a lot of value to my game, especially in New York. I feel like uh, I'm one of a few and it, around the league these days, especially, but, it, you know, especially in New York when you've got uh, a lot of the skill and, and, you know, now adding, uh, you know, potentially a young uh, winger that we're going to add. Um, it's, it's going to be cool. So I'm excited about it. I love playing here and hopefully we get something done, uh, this summer and you know, whatever, whether it's, you know, two years or three years or just a year, uh, you know, I appreciate every moment playing in New York and it's, it truly is uh, the best place to play. Well, that's great to hear. And we have one last question before we let you go. Cause we know you're busy. So you're a rising star, New York city, 24 year old kid. Things must've been crazy pre-COVID, who is your favorite teammate to hit the town with? Who's the craziest guy in the locker room that you like to go out with? I wouldn't say there's a crazy one. We're a pretty tame group of guys. Um, I definitely, I love hanging out with Tony D'Angelo. He's a character. He's hilarious. Um, yeah, he's That's a good name to hang out with somebody in New York, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a hilarious guy, Philly guy, and loves action. So Brendan, I got I got one I got one last one for you. Since you're in New York, what's your favorite meal or restaurant in the city? Since you pretty much have everything you you want. Ooh, that's tough. I, tough I question. I'm not answering that yet. I can't. I can't <laughs> give it to you guys yet. I haven't had enough time in the city. I haven't hit enough spots. But there's no you know, worries. There's unlimited well, uh, restaurants and and uh, you know lounges and bars and it's just a great place to play and i absolutely love it well tell mr silber that we said hello and thank you so much for joining the show we really appreciate it and good luck to you all right thanks guys thanks for having me on hope you guys have a good day all right you, you too. too thanks see you later bye Platt, i mean is that is that music to your ears i mean this guy not only loves new york he wants to stay here, and he says it's the best place to play. Loves going out. Like you said, he's 24. If Ranger fans don't like that interview, I don't know what they're going to like. That was stellar news to hear how uh, excited and goal-oriented he is about being a Ranger. Yeah, you love to hear it. And, and there's nothing but excitement around the franchise right now with the number one pick. And, you know, Granted, they had a shitty restart in the bubble, but they're in a good spot moving forward. They're a good young team. Nobody expected them to make the playoffs this year. They were right there. So, you know, losing the way they did was disappointing. The good news is they get the number one pick in the draft, which I think Rangers would take that trade off in two seconds. Lemieux's game, gritty, fun to watch. Love having him here. Hopefully he signs a long-term deal. They got a lot of financials to work out, but loved having him on. And, you know, we'll get some other great guests on in the weeks ahead. Yeah, looking forward to it, Platt, as always. Good talking, Bags. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Have a great day. So long, everyone.